0: Welcome to This is Modern Rock. I'm Will Westerkow, and joining me today is my favorite guest, Orly, and a baby. Hello. Welcome. Yo, yo, yo. Um, so, we've already finished talking about 1988, but we're back for one special episode. Since the Modern Rock charts didn't start until September of 1988, uh, I thought it would be fun to highlight a few songs that came out that year that didn't get a chance to chart, that possibly could have charted on the Modern Rock charts if the charts had been around since the start of 1988.
1: And I'm wondering what the room was like over at Billboard when they're like, we
0: need another chart. I'd like to hear the conversation when they decided to change the name of the Black Charts.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That was after
0: 1988. I'm not sure what year that was. but Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that would have been fun. Yeah. So 1988, I don't think it was a great year for music. I might even say it was kind of a terrible year for music. There's the occasional um, very good song, but the pop charts are mostly awful, but there, there were some good songs that came out this year. Erasure's A Little Respect, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, New Order's Blue Monday. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to focus on some songs that were not crossovers onto the mainstream Hot 100 pop charts. Those all songs that were. Those were songs, yes, those songs all did crossover and they were fairly sizable hits. So our first band we're going to talk about is called The Church. They're an Australian band. They formed in the early 80s. First album came out in, I think, 81 or 82. Mm -hmm. So they've kind of been doing their thing for a while. And in 1988, they released their album Starfish. Yes. And Starfish was uh, their biggest hit. They actually did have a crossover success with their first single, Under the Milky Way.
1: That's really the only church song I know.
0: I would say that's that's the only church song that most people know. Um, But I think it's a good one.
1: And they are British?
0: They're Australian. Australian. Yes, but, you know, I think a very British sound.
1: Right. Yeah. Crikey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. The Their music sounds not British at all, but the way they talk, <laughs> it sounds extremely British. So, if you don't know Under the Milky Way, you should definitely check it out. I think it's a really cool song. If you do know Under the Milky Way, you might not think it's a cool song because you've heard it a lot and it's been licensed in a lot of commercials so you might have seen it and heard it which commercial yeah under the milky way has been in a commercial for the lincoln mkt automobile car commercials are ruining songs yeah car commercials definitely ruin songs uh the who i'm looking your way every band i like the Strokes, yeah yeah
1: yeah there's like go ahead
0: really oh yeah do you remember the Who's Bargain? Uh-huh. I think the first time I heard that song was in a car commercial. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the, the actual jingle for Ford <laughs> trucks or whatever. You're like, like a rock. <laughs> I, that's probably a song. That's that's probably a song too. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's uh, got Bob Seger maybe. I think it is. Yeah. And I, not written for... Chevy, right? I don't well, I couldn't tell you possibly dodge <laughs> so uh, anyway we're not going to listen to under the milky way because i assume a lot of listeners have heard the song and are familiar with it and it it did have some chart success and in fact under the milky way won an arii music award for a single of the year which is uh, a big australian music award okay and the reason i mentioned that really is because Steve Kilby, the lead singer of the church, he pulled a Pearl Jam before Pearl Jam pulled a Pearl Jam. Oh,
1: he said this award means nothing. He, um, <laughs> he refused to attend and was quoted as saying,
0: I think the whole thing is utterly embarrassing and repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, good for him. Yeah. Steve Kilby, way to go. Yeah. So we're going to listen to the second single from Starfish and it's called Reptile. Reptile did not have crossover success. But I think one notable thing about this song is that it was inspired by David Bowie. Not David Bowie's music, but David Bowie himself. So I'm going to have Orly read a quote, a Steve Kilby quote from an Australian Rolling Stone article about the song Reptile and where it came from.
1: Um, I went to see David Bowie. (laughs) Someone gave me an acid trip before the show was standing S- there it is true it is for before the, standing there watching him he seemed so reptilian with his look a sheer contempt in his eyes he was up on the big screen i was looking into it looking into his eyes it was like a snake about to eat a little frog
0: <laughs> i love that your australian accent just sounds like Muriel's friend from Muriel's wedding. Right? That's
1: that's my... I'm trying to like you know channel her. Yes.
0: <laughs> it's good.
1: Uh, okay, so we're going to listen to the song Reptile. And when you say that, I think of Nine Inch Nails because they also have a song named Reptile.
0: They do, that's right. Well, the first time I discovered that was actually recently and I was hoping that it was a cover of the church, but oh, alas, it was not. It's not. Do you know anything it's about it? Was that also inspired by David Bowie?
1: I don't know. I think it's... It sounds like it's about some lady that burned him somehow. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: Any other reptiles you know about? I
1: mean, the Strokes have reptilia. That's true. In which they never mention that word.
0: That's also true. Yeah. they might be giants have mammal. <laughs> Not the same. Are there any bird songs?
1: <laughs> I thought we were just working around the word reptile, oh, but I sorry. guess we're just branching out to the animal kingdom. This could
0: be a while, folks. I bet there's a lot of snake songs. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and listen to Reptile. Here we go. To keep, too feeble to let go. And you want to fight the hand. Should have stopped this long ago. And we're back.
1: All right. I mean, that opening guitar riff is memorable. Yeah, that
0: grabs me immediately. Me too. Yeah. Right away. Boop, boop, Ears boop, perking up. That's exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. In fact, I might like it better if it sounded more like that. Mm-hmm. Boop, boop. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't.
1: No. No. Um, yeah. Baby would though. She liked it. Yeah. She. <laughs> she actually really did. She was.
0: She was staring intently. Big smile um. on her face. <laughs> Good riff, yeah. Uh, good sound, sounds like the church, which is to say it sounds a lot like much British guitar alternative rock of the time, even though they're not British, Mm -hmm. yes.
1: I mean, I know you said that one was about David Bowie, I wish that I could have heard more of the lyrics.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it was just inspired by David Bowie, Uh, that's kind of a starting point. And then moved away from there. So, so knowing the lyrics is not gonna really tell you much. It's there's some lyrics that seem to be biblical, some Garden of Eden snake type references.
1: Yeah, like a real reptile. Mm -hmm. I um definitely think that would have charted. Yeah, I'm modern rock charts. So. I saw the church. You did? I wasn't really paying attention. They were just kind of like on. It was okay. a festival. Okay,
0: so this was a band that you weren't super familiar with and right, you were there to see someone else.
1: Yeah, I went to a festival. I went to Quad Fest 93 mm-hmm. with a lot of good bands such as Possum Dixon and Eve's Plum. <laughs>
0: That sounds like an incredible, incredible show.
1: <laughs> so those were the first two bands, and then The Church played, and then Beck played. Oh, 93. 93. That's early Beck. Early Beck, yeah. and then Headliner's Violent Femmes.
0: So you you saw The Church, you didn't pay that much attention?
1: I did not. I mean, I when um, Under the Milky Way came on, I, you know, I went and I gave them the attention. But okay. That's, and then- um, Is, Did I you went,
0: actually know that song, or did you hear something that you liked? And... I knew
1: that song because it was being played on the radio. Okay. Still. But I definitely went for Beck I went like you know Up in the mosh pit mm-hmm. And it was just after Loser had come out Okay And everyone wanted to see Loser But he refused To sing the word loser Uh huh So he would say things like I'm a softy baby I'm a goldfish baby <laughs>
0: I'm a reptile baby <laughs> Yeah Maybe <laughs> Yeah Let's go ahead and move on We've got our second song Of the night The song is by Morrissey Heard of this guy
1: I heard of Morrissey.
0: Morrissey, a.k.a. Stephen Patrick Morrissey, a.k.a. the Maz Mazzarella. I didn't know about
1: that nickname until a lot later. Boy. Moz.
0: I just call him Steve. Mm. I think the most important thing to know about Morrissey is that he was the lead singer and lyricist for the Smiths. Right. So the Smiths, they were probably the most important, the most influential British alternative rock band of the 80s. I don't think that's an overstatement.
1: And they're only around for what, five years?
0: Something like that. I think um I think they released albums anyway from nineteen eighty four through nineteen eighty seven, maybe? That's okay. not that long. Yeah. So in uh I, I think nineteen eighty seven, the Smiths broke up and I think they're around from eighty two to eighty seven. Let's go with that. Yeah, let's you, go with you that. You said like you know things about mm-hmm. the Smiths, sure.
1: You know what the Smiths were to me because I was too young for the Smiths and hmm. they were Can I guess?
0: Mm-hmm. they were they were the band that your cool friends cooler older sibling was really into yeah does it yeah exactly yes that's exactly what it was of course that's what they were
1: and not yeah her cooler older sibling and all of her friends Uh huh. and like they were the friends that like they used to go to
0: raves oh i don't think of morrissey and raves as being
1: i think there was i mean i mean i went crossover. from a small town so to, like if there was like any of that sect that's they kind of encapsulated mm-hmm. all of that. They
0: just like everything British, probably.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Exactly, they were like super Anglophiles, mm-hmm. and they were the Smiths, New Order, kind of gothic mm-hmm. on top of it, sure. or look because I couldn't tell the difference back then really yeah they probably couldn't that. tell the difference either no but they were all like very into the smiths yeah
0: but this was pre-yarn hair and oh and not pacifier, that kind of gap not ray, that kind of, ray, yeah, no no, yeah. No, no 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 not at okay. all okay
1: no they were just like into taking drugs okay being this is this is online. like
0: giant abandoned the warehouse Abandoned warehouse. Mm-hmm. yes 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 yes
1: no because this was like what like early 90s mm-hmm. is that when the yarn hair was in i don't think so that came not a little later, little
0: later. Yeah. You know, I say as someone who grew up in a very uncool town. So, me too. Perhaps in Cow a cool town. town, yeah. Perhaps in a cool town, yarn hair was in, in the <laughs> early 80s. I don't even know. It just took so long to filter down. <laughs> Australia is just getting yarn hair now. Right. <laughs> anyway, Morrissey goes solo. In 1988, he releases his first solo album called Viva Hate. His first single is Suede Head. We're not going to listen to that. We're going to listen to his second single called Every Day is Like Sunday. Every day, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. Good, yeah. Um, Every day looks like Sunday has been covered by bands such as the Pretenders. It's been covered by Ten Thousand Maniacs, Colin Malloy of the Decemberists. So clearly, this is a song that is well known and yeah. loved amongst uh, you know amongst musical people. Musicians it, love this song. That's right. In fact, I think Chrissy Hind said this was one of her favorite songs of all time, maybe? Something Whoa. like that? I could be misquoting, Big misremembering. I just, maybe I just made that up. You know what Chrissy Hines' favorite song of all time is? Uh, that shriek back song? <laughs> she, Chrissy Hind, <laughs> she said, first favorite song, that shriek back song, followed by <laughs> Shut Up Your Face, <laughs> and then Every Day is Like Sunday. Top three. <laughs> Let's go ahead and listen to Every Day... <laughs> Every day is like Sunday. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) every day is like sunday yeah it's kind of a downer unless you really unless you really like sunday in which like if you if you loved going to church if that was like the highlight of your week
1: wow so i did not even like that thought never even entered my mind i was just like sunday it's just like a cool day you know, you eat you a nice you never went to church i went to church every nice sunday breakfast.
0: so every day is like sunday to me you know what that means Tortured. i have to we- <laughs> i have to wear uncomfortable clothes I have to kneel and stand and sit.
1: No, I'm like, you get to sleep in if you don't have kids, and Uh, you get to go to brunch. I get
0: to watch some cartoons.
1: You got up early enough for that?
0: I'm not going to get up and go to church first thing before (laughs) I've got some cartoons in. Get real.
1: Well, either way,
0: um, yeah, that
1: song, it's good to sing along to.
0: You know what Morrissey does on Sundays? What? Trudges slowly over wet sand.
1: Yes, through the misty Moors, <laughs> I'm singing like a Bronte sister.
0: <laughs> you know, those Bronte sisters were actually, uh, I think, underrated as singers.
1: <laughs> they say, actually, they sang just like Morrissey. <laughs>
0: they had perfect, perfect three-part harmonies. <laughs> were there three of them? <laughs> were there four of them? Was there like a lost one? I that think people there was don't, one. Don't know about Anne. I know Anne. What did Anne do? She like wrote three poems or something. No, and cut I cut off her nose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Emily Charlotte, Charlotte,
0: yeah, and Anne, Anne.
1: the other one. There's one more, Zeppo. <laughs> I thought one of them was just like, I'm not gonna write some novel about getting together with a dude.
0: Yeah, get it together, ladies. I'm not gonna be like you, yeah. just because you all write doesn't mean I have to write. I'm my own person.
1: <laughs> no, I think she was more like,
0: I'm yeah. Franny Bronte. <laughs> And I'm an individual. I wish I knew
1: more right now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know who doesn't like the song? Janet. (laughs) Your aunt? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not talking about either of my aunts, Janet. (laughs) I'm talking about Janet from when I was in college, like 17 (gasps) decades ago. Uh, She walks up to me. She looks me in the face. Out of the blue, this is how I remember it, and says, The Smiths were amazing, but Morrissey never, ever did a single good song after the Smiths broke up. Clearly, Janet's wrong. This was a good song.
1: I just think it would be better if her name was Janice.
0: Mm, Should we call her Janice? (laughs)
1: Janice, you know what? Suck it, Janice.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so Janice is uh, wrong about Morrissey. Morrissey actually had a lot of good songs in his solo career. Many a good song. And I think Every Day is Like Sunday is one of them. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very good song.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think he's saying about every day being like Sunday?
0: I guess my, my first instinct is that Sunday feels a little sad. It, it feels like the the work week is looming it's uh, the end of your fun. It's the end of the weekend.
1: Yeah, pretty much like after 3 p.m. on a Sunday, I would get an anxiety stomach ache every week. Mm-hmm. Like, this is it. It's happening again.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I just barely got here to the weekend, and now it's over. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Although, I mean, but that's not Morrissey's life, though. No. So, I mean, Mor- does Morrissey even have a weekend? Maybe he a- he's into church. Maybe.
1: Maybe he's eating scones with his
0: tea. <laughs> scones and crumpets. <laughs> he's definitely having some tea. You know what else he's into? Uh, Morrissey, he loves crocheting.
1: <laughs> he's into fermenting his own <laughs> foods.
0: <laughs> that guy can kimchi like a motherfucker.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Morrissey, for all you've
0: given us. Don't sue us, Morris. <laughs> so we've listened to uh, an Australian song. We've listened to a British song. Why don't we go ahead and listen to an American song? Yeah. Let's so th- do this it. next one we're going to hear is by a it's band called time. Pixies. So Pixies are a modern rock band. They formed in. The Boston area. Most of the time, their lead vocalist and songwriter is Black Francis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I, Are you just like the movie
0: guy? No, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like if your name is Black Francis, you have to say it in a...
1: I just feel like it's like a variety of flower. Really? This is the Black Francis. Oh, yeah. That's how I feel. I, I like
0: that. I've never <laughs> thought of it that way, but uh, I'm still going Black Francis. Black Francis. Yeah, but Black Francis, outside of the Pixies, goes by a different name, which is Frank Black. So he's had a long and fairly successful solo career as Frank Black, and his real name is Charles Thompson. Um, But Pixies also feature bassist and sometimes lead vocalist Kim Deal, who went on to Mm. um, some later success with her band The Breeders. That's right,
1: whom I've also seen.
0: And then you know Joey Santiago and Dave Levering fill out the rest of the band. So in 1988, they released their first full-length album called Surfer Rosa.
1: Uh, the first time I heard of the Pixies was probably when Kurt Cobain was talking about them in some way that was like, here's this band I like, you've never heard of them.
0: Yeah, I think he's pretty famous for saying that uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit sounds pretty much like a Pixie song.
1: Okay, there you go. And But the very first time I actually heard them might have been... In Fight Club, um, I may have seen one of their songs on 120 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, like at 1:30 in the morning. But the first time it like really stood out to me, like, here's this song. I'm hearing it with like totally fresh ears, and like, what is this? this yeah, so
0: that was cool. That this was, was good. Their song "Where's My Mind"? Yeah, it was, it was used in like the very end of Fight Club, right? Was it the very end when he's like blowing it all up? Mm-hmm. Spoiler then, alert! Right, and then going into uh, closing credits. Yes, I think that's where. Probably a lot of people heard the Pixies for the first time. And I would say for casual music fans, that might be the song by the Pixies that they know. Which is interesting because Where Is My Mind is on their 1988 album Surfer Rosa, but it's not a single. So they thought, like, this is not one of our best tracks? I guess.
1: It's weird when bands don't know what songs of theirs are
0: good. So Where Is My Mind, not released as a single... Surfer Rosa um, only had one single, and it's called Gigantic.
1: And they decided to put their alternate vocalist on the lead single just to
0: confuse everybody. Kim Deal sings lead on Gigantic. So if you heard this single, decided to buy Surfer Rosa. You were like, what the heck? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the only song that she sings lead on on the entire album. That's weird. Yeah, so you'd be in for a surprise.
1: I mean, you'd be in for a good surprise, but... Not if you're looking for a female-fronted band. Yeah, that's right. Let's jam it. You got more to say?
0: So, Gigantic, actually, there's two different versions of. There's the album version, and the album was produced by Steve Albini, who is, I think, most well-known for producing Nirvana's In Utero album. Mm -hmm. But they reproduced it to release as a single, and that was produced by Gil Norton. I've never actually heard the single version of the song.
1: I mean, is it like a Google search can remedy that?
0: We uh, well, then I'd have to i have to <laughs> type <laughs> things into my computer. <laughs> um, um, anyway, let's go ahead and listen to Gigantic. Walker every day into a shady place.
1: With a lips she said, she said it by Um, So I've never heard that song with headphones on, and that song rules. Yeah, it's good. Love it. That song's amazing.
0: I love the the intro, just the sparse bass line. Boom, 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 boom.
1: That song sounds way ahead of its time. It sounds like the catalyst for all 90s music.
0: It's clearly very different than the stuff we've been hearing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure.
1: And I guess I didn't realize how cool What's Her Face's voice was.
0: Kim Deal's very cool. She has a very cool voice.
1: But she can sing, too. It's not like it's just cool and she's like, I'm kind of talking. She can actually sing. The delivery is awesome and amazing in that song. Really strong. Um, but I feel like songwriting is pretty important, too. I don't know how mm-hmm. that was broken up in the band.
0: Sure. I think Frank Black wrote most of the songs. And this was a Kim Deal-Frank Black co-writing credit. Okay, Although... Uh, my understanding is actually that if you if you look at the single, it is credited to Black Francis and Mrs. John Murphy. What? Who's that? She. She's was, married at the time. I think she was married to a a certain John Murphy, and so this was like um, it was her way of being feminist, but in like a wink, wink, ironic way. Got it. Whatever that means.
1: Whatever that means. Okay. So yeah. That song's about a dick, right?
0: Uh, <laughs> Yes, it, def- <laughs> it definitely is. You know, it's the kind of song where you listen to it and you're like, this song couldn't be about, them. it is. It's
1: definitely, and what's funny is that Portland's very own Storm Large, she uses that gigantic part mm-hmm. of her, like an original song of hers, but hers is
0: about a vagina. Oh, a gigantic vagina. A gigantic vagina. Interesting. And she says gigantic, big, big love. In Storm song, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, it's a good thing. Okay. So my understanding is that this song was inspired by a play and or film called Crimes of the Heart, um, which is about a lot of different things. It's about some sisters who all share stories of different crimes of the heart that they experienced. One of those stories is about a character who in the movie is played by Sissy Spacek. Mm. Um, Carrie herself. mm -hmm. And she is a married woman who has an affair with a black teenager. And he's
1: gigantic.
0: I, I haven't seen the movie, and I don't know how closely the song is supposed to parallel the movie. But My understanding is that uh, the song, Gigantic, was inspired by the movie. Got it. So, uh, Sissy Spacek's character, she went to the park and she would watch this African-American youth um, having sex, perhaps, with his girlfriend at the time. Whoa. Maybe. And clearly, she liked what she saw. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do you feel like this is um, furthering <laughs> stereotypes about African-Americans? <laughs> and if so, is that problematic or is this a positive stereotype?
1: You know, I guess if you are an African-American and you are, have a below average size penis. What if penis, you have an average
0: size penis? <laughs> yeah, let's say you're, you're an African-American male with a totally average or even a slightly above average size penis. Then high five yourself. But is there an expectation from women like, that you have an enormous dong? I mean because of the Pixies.
1: Yeah. The Pixies are really problematic because of that because of all the African Americans listening to the Pixies. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this was a crossover hit on the Black <laughs> on Charts. The black <laughs> charts. <laughs> so, gigantic, very cool song. Um it does seem like it's setting the stage for some music that's coming soon definitely
1: it feels ahead of its time it feels big it feels a lot more rock mm-hmm. like i feel like modern rock up until this song i don't know how to describe it's felt, it it's it felt, felt a little lighter it does
0: it's janglier lighter reverbier but this feels like modern rock yeah it's putting the rock in modern rock definitely and the, not just gigantic. I mean, the whole album, really. Even like it's this album's ahead of its time for yeah. sure, big yeah. time.
1: It's putting the '90s stamp on it.
0: Yeah. And speaking of '90s stamp, we've got one more song to listen to, mm-hmm. and the song is by a band called Dinosaur Jr. know one song by them. Two. Well, if you're a fan of '90s rock, you probably know one song by Dinosaur Jr. Then alternative yeah, hit in the '90s, hit, yeah, breakthrough yeah. hit with "Feel the Pain." Mm -hmm. Um, but they they've been around since you know the mid 80s they were formerly known as dinosaur
1: and then dinosaurs sued them
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's right yeah so dinosaur as you can probably imagine was made up of a bunch of old rockers there was a band called Dinosaur? There was a there was a band called the Dinosaurs, and it was like a super group, you know, oh, okay. super in quotation mark. Yeah, so so they sued and Dinosaur the other dinosaur's response was We're gonna junior the shit out of this. They're, yeah, they're like, Look, we like dinosaur, dinosaur's cool, we're dinosaur junior. They didn't want
1: to be diet dinosaur.
0: <laughs> Sub dinosaur. Dinosaur light. Yeah, exactly. Dinosaur Junior is comprised of J Mascus. Lou Barlow and Murph Forgot about Lou Barlow Yeah, Lou Barlow Lou Barlow, um, after this album actually Was kicked out of the band Another famous alternative rock band fight Feud Uh, Feud, yes And he formed um, Folk implosion (laughs) Oh. <laughs> that's a little bit down the road. Okay. He first formed Sebado. of course Sebado is what I meant yeah
1: Sebado which we... they were always on 120 minutes I'm like get these old farts out of
0: here <laughs> anyway, so it was a it was a very angry breakup. Uh, they wrote angry songs about each other. <laughs> oh yes didn't they go on tour together and like argue about who was gonna headline? I saw them fairly recently together together yeah. So, like,
1: Lou Barlow's like, I'll do a doubleheader.
0: Sebado opened for Dinosaur Jr. Lou Barlow was in both sets. They weren't arguing? Not when I saw them, but they might have argued at other points in the tour. Okay. I will tell you this, though. Uh, Dinosaur Jr. is known for playing loud shows, and I was not prepared. I forgot to bring my earplugs. I went to that show. Ears bleeding. My ears were in pain. I've been to loud shows, but I've never been in actual physical pain. Oh, no. Where I I went to the bathroom and got a bunch of toilet paper and shoved it in my ears. Did it help? It helped a little bit. I mean, it made the sound quality awful. It was super muffled, but it helped with the pain. I mean, it was... It was hard for me. I
1: always think of Dinosaur Jr. as
0: like a dude band. Yeah, although they're not like manly dudes. Were there dudes, any women at this definitely show? definitely dudes. It was heavy on the dudes. Yeah, it was a real sausage fest at the heavy Dinosaur dudes. Jr. show, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So the song we're going to listen to is called Freak Scene. And Pitchfork Media declared this probably Indie Rock's greatest guitar performance. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's high praise, but then they have to like kind of hedge their bets a little bit. 23Indie.com declared this the number one song in their all-time indie top 50. I got to hear this shiz. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think this is viewed as like a definitive slacker anthem, whatever that means. Oh, brother. It's where the J Mascus is simultaneously hailed as an amazing guitarist, but also as a writer of slacker I anthems. I mean,
1: that dude's got to practice a lot to be the best guitarist. I, I would think so. He Doesn't he also have like absolutely long white hair yes flowing white hair yes
0: although i do kind of want to show you the music video for this because it's like right before his hair turned all white magically i think he saw a ghost no i mean like it was graying i think it's brown in this video in 1988 and then by 1989 it's white no
1: in 1994 when i was watching feel the pain he was like pretty
0: gray Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going with my ghost theory. <laughs> okay, he saw a ghost. It's too fast. Sure. It's too fast and he's too young. <laughs> he he was, you know, slacking off in his basement one day,
1: 1989. Is that just a just masturbation? <laughs> <even>?
0: <laughs> a ghost turned the corner, yep. caught him slacking off. <laughs> <laughs> his heart skipped a beat. Whoop, white hair. Hair, hair went- How are the pubes, though? (laughs) Is he sporting a crotch full of rice noodles? They turn purple, oddly enough. (laughs) That's actually why they broke up. Uh, Lou Barla couldn't deal. He couldn't deal with the the gray hair. He's like, man, you get some Just for Men stat, or I'm out of the band. And you know Murph. He's just like, whatever. Whatever,
1: Whatever's cool with me. I'm letting you guys call me Murph, so I'm fine.
0: Uh, let's hear this let's greatest hear song of all time. Here we go. This is Dinosaur Jr.'s 1988 non-hit freak scene.
1: I've seen enough to eye you But I've seen too much to try you It's always weirdness why you take it much, too much to fry you The weirdness flows between us Or anyone can tell to see you
0: What you think, definitive slacker anthem? Um,
1: I thought it was a fine song. I mean, it sounds like so different than anything else we've been listening to yeah. so far. On, I mean, on this podcast, yeah,
0: the Pixies is the closest thing, and it still sounds way different than that. It does.
1: It sounds like it's really like moving ahead in time really fast. I thought that one. And the Pixies, this one even more maybe sounds like '90s. It sounds like, hey, the '90s are
0: here. Yeah, and you know I've heard this song a lot, and I I really do like this song a lot. But first listen, it doesn't have maybe a super strong, immediately catchy chorus. It's not the kind of song that's gonna. It's cross the first time over. I've ever heard that song. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not gonna it's not gonna cross over in the way that you know Nirvana is going to. Right. Um, where you listen to it and you're like, yes, I'm in, maybe. Greatest indie rock guitar performance of all I time. I thought I was going to hear
1: a guitar solo. Did I miss it?
0: There was some guitar solo-ish stuff in there. Yeah, I thought
1: that was going to be like a breakdown. Like,
0: Yeah, so that's that's one thing that's really interesting to me is I hear that guitar and I go, clearly Jay Mascus is a talented guitarist, but to me it's a little hard to tell if he's doing a really technically proficient thought out guitar solo that sounds sloppy or if he's just making something up as he goes along and it would be really hard for him to repeat the same thing twice
1: i think he's just improv i don't
0: i don't know i mean if you compare this to like let's say an eddie van halen solo right and i'm not a van halen fan by any means but you hear a van halen solo and you're like that guy practiced the crap out of that and he got that thing down note for note if you you can't see will
1: right now but he is guitar i am two hand, I'm, tapping I'm,
0: i am two hand tapping the air guitar yeah um some i'm doing eruption um <laughs> i'm erupting in my pants i'm so excited about this guitar solo uh do you know what i mean yeah I know that when
1: people talk about this really good, they're always like flipping out over what a guitar god this guy is
0: so I'm yeah. assuming that yes. So I'm just going to go with what everyone else says and go like yes, his solo here is absolutely note for note intentional and uh he's so good he just makes it sound like he's Loose, making stuff up. Yeah.
1: Comfortable. Yeah. You know, it's like spending 4 hours on your makeup and being like
0: I woke up like this. Mm-hmm. So that's 1988. Was there a
1: mail call you wanted to get to?
0: We got our first fan mail letter from Liz. And Liz wanted to know, in episode one, I mentioned a song that was featured in the movie Young Einstein, but I apparently forgot to actually mention what the song was or who the band was. Boo. So that song is by a band called Paul Kelly and the Colored Girls. But when they released it on the soundtrack, they're credited as Paul Kelly and the Messengers. Uh, and the song is called Dumb Things.
1: Dumb Things by Paul Kelly and the Colored Girls.
0: If you as well would like to be featured on the show in the form of fan mail, please send us your questions or comments or concerns at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. If you enjoyed any of these songs, I encourage you to purchase a copy for yourself, support the artists in any, any way you can, and... Actually, you know, one more thing we should mention: we have wrapped up our first season of This Is Modern Rock. We're going to go on a bit of a hiatus, and we'll be back with season two starting in early July. At which time we'll be switching to an every other week release schedule. Thank you so much for for listening. Uh, please come back and check us out when we return in July. That's it. Thanks, thanks for joining us. See you later. This is Will Westerkow. I'm Orly and a baby. This is Modern Rock.